Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the Grow Your Nose Show, your one-stop shop for uh, education and information in Mississippi and beyond. And uh, happy Tuesday, man. I'm happy to be here. Great to be here. It looks like the rain is gone and the sun is out, and, um, and that makes me happy. As usual, we've got a great show for you today. We've got uh, some special guests that we'll get to in just a second. But um, before I uh, before I uh, get to our guests, I just want to go back. I've had some questions this week about some of the things we've talked about in the past. And so I want to remind everybody that um, anything that you want to access that um, we've talked about before. So uh, and we've talked about a ton of great great topics. Um, some of the questions that I get asked the most about is, of course obviously, the the uh, Second Amendment um, and cannabis question and how those two things interact. Um, and we've done uh, two great shows on that. And so any any information you want, any questions you have, um, always happy to answer those questions. But you can also always go back to the podcast and listen to them. They are available to listen to, and you can find those at the Clay Edwards Show. Uh, is that the at the Clay Edwards, Clay Edwards Show link? And you can go back, and all of them are listed there. So anything about anything we've talked about in the past, we've talked about some great things. We've talked about guns and uh, or Second Amendment right and cannabis interaction. We have had some great resources. We've had um, we've had Andre Degree, the Mississippi State Public Defender, here last week, and we talked about criminal interaction uh, and cannabis. Uh, we've had Angie Calhoun, Mississippi Cannabis Patients Alliance, and uh, they always have a ton of great information for patients looking to get information about medical marijuana and how to get your card and um, really anything. And, and, and uh, we also know that there's a, a um, I think it was Mississippi Cannabis Patients Alliance that was interacting with um, the state in a research project to help out um, with actually getting some studies. Uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit maybe um, in a minute about um, getting some studies for uh, the impact of cannabis on specific debilitating conditions. We know that we haven't had a lot of research um, relatively speaking, as it relates to cannabis and other m- medicines, because of uh, because it's been uh, because it is illegal, <laughs> federally speaking. So, um, so yeah, anything you want to know about in the past, you can pull it up on the podcast. So do that, and of course, you can always reach out to me. Also, um, if you notice, we are missing uh, a huge part of our team this morning. Chad King could not be with us. Um, but we miss you. And if you're listening, Chad, uh, hey, (laughs) um, so, uh, we'll get to our show. I want to, I want to, I just want to say one thing. I was reading an article, um, uh, and the article indicated that, uh, the legal cannabis industry is projected to reach 73.6 billion with a B billion dollars by 2027, um, I mean that that is a that is a huge huge number, um, you know that that sort of industry um, that sort of I mean that's an that's an, an you know in a in a an economy on its own. I mean uh, those are are huge numbers, and, and we'll talk about a, a little about that too. But let's get to our guests today. So um, we have got great guests. We're going to talk about um, we've got uh, all kinds of things we're going to talk about today. But we're going to really talk about insurance. We're going to talk about legal representation. We know that um, the can that cannabis in particular touches on 
everything. So we we know, you know, everything from civil to criminal. And in civil, we've got mergers and acquisitions because you've got big companies that come together. We've got contracts. We've got regulatory. We've got licensing. We've got family law. We've got criminal, of course. We've got real estate and property. And we've got insurance and everything. And we've got IP, who one of our guests just mentioned a moment ago. Um, intellectual property and uh, so we've got everything that touches on cannabis and I think sometimes people don't realize how big um, how the tentacles of cannabis reach out and impact so many other ancillary industries and businesses um, that that support uh, cannabis businesses so anyway let's get to our guest this morning we have got um, Colton Ferris with the now agency and uh, I I have known Colton now for several I guess probably several years was it be several to, years? To, to end of twenty twenty or beginning of twenty twenty one we started working together. Yeah, very early on. Yeah, awesome. So um, and we've also got here with us today Slates Vizi and uh, Slates is an attorney with Bradley. Um, and uh, we are we've got a great show. We're going to talk about lots of things. Um, can you go, Colton? Will you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yes, Colton Ferris. I've uh, came on with the Now Agency in 2020, and uh, about the second I got in there, there was an opportunity. Or in my actually in my hiring interview, they threw out some ideas that they thought could be a good route for a younger guy to to tackle, and so immediately jumped on the cannabis route. And we are in all 50 states and selling all 50 states on the internet, and so that's kind of how we had a leg up and were able to get in the industry pretty early on before Mississippi came about, and then obviously got in on the ground level with 3MA and you guys and everyone else uh, when it first came about, and so that's really how we got here. Okay, so now the NOW agency is, uh, y'all have an office here? Off it. We have seven offices in the state. Our headquarters is here in Jackson or in Brandon area, Floywood, okay. um, and then through that we have a call center where we sell a lot of stuff on the internet but cannabis operators seem to be a large portion of our calls for a while just because all these states were legalizing it you know they these people didn't know who to go to for this because a lot of their a lot of people especially in smaller towns the insurance agent they're using now you know hasn't dealt with that before sure. and there's a lot of hurdles and a lot of things that are just a lot of unknowns and a lot of hard lessons you got to learn in the up front yeah absolutely um thank you i'm uh welcome and i'm happy you're here today uh we also have slates vz so slates will you tell and he's with bradley and he can tell you a little bit more will you tell us a little bit more about you please Sure. thanks for having me kelly absolutely here we're excited to have you thanks uh so yeah slates vz i'm a mississippian grew up in north mississippi went to old miss and finished law school and actually spent about five years in Texas, in Dallas, and then moved back here in 2012 and joined Bradley. Bradley is a Birmingham-based firm with offices basically from Texas all the way to Florida, up to D.C., and including Nashville. We've had a, a Jackson office for over a decade, or, or 20 years at least, and really it's a full-service firm, does everything, kind of like Kelly mentioned, that applies to cannabis businesses. Uh from the capital raise at the very early stages to the corporate formation, to the real estate acquisition, to litigation, zoning, licensing, really anything under the sun. But in 2018, we formed a cannabis and hemp-specific group that would you know, follow all the trends. Because as, as we all can appreciate, this, this thing is moving at 1,000 uh, miles per hour, and things are changing daily uh, right. from a federal perspective. Sure. 
from a state perspective and in other states. So it's something we have to be on top of and follow. And so we've had that group in place for now, I guess, five or six years. And we're servicing clients in all, within our footprint, uh, particularly where there are legal programs, so Mississippi and Alabama, uh, but ready to do the same in these other states. And we have a blog where we try to update all those happenings in the cannabis world, and it's uh, buddingtrendsblog.com. Oh, I love so, that, yeah. Budding Trends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we try to be, you know, we try to be, you know, we're obviously very professional and, and want to be smart with what we write, but also, sure. you know, playful to the extent that we yeah. don't lose our professionalism uh, Absolutely. in doing that. Yeah, sure, sure. I, I recommend that you uh, visit it and, and subscribe. Yeah. Well, we, I absolutely will. So, um, um, so, uh, yeah. So thank you both for being here. Um, I'm excited to have you guys here and I wanted to, so I guess let's, so, so slates, you can, for based on what you just said, you literally, you guys could, if I came to you, so I, so I have done this before Mm -hmm. because I, uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Kelly screen. Um, and we were the first medical marijuana uh, company in the, the state of Mississippi. Um, been, I have personally been working on this since, um, gosh, 2000, well, before 2018, um, drafted some legislation in 2016 that was in, uh, that was passed in 17, and then Initiative 65 came around on the horizon in 18, and uh, so I was on board with that immediately and have, have been have been going ever since. So, um, so, and I always have to say that. I'm sorry. I know people get so tired of hearing me, um, but I'm never going to, I'm always going to wear that badge because uh, it's important to me. And, you know, we've, we've sacrificed a lot and we did, uh, we did a lot and, and it was, you know, it's very meaningful to me. And so I'm always going to talk about it like that. Um, so everybody can just turn it, turn a deaf ear <laughs> to me on that moment. Um, but if, let's say I was going to do this again, <laughs> um, I could go to you and say, Hey, I want to. Uh, I want to open a medical marijuana company, um, and I haven't done anything. Like I haven't raised any money. I haven't. Done, so you guys, um, as it relates to the capital raise, that portion you mentioned that how uh, how does that work? Like what 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 do you assist people with in the at the fundraising stage? Sure, and and let me be clear. I I personally I, I wear a lot of hats, but I don't wear <laughs> every hat in in the firm, and I don't have the expertise. For example, like for the capital raise piece, except for the the cannabis specific, uh, the understanding of how the the nuances because it's illegal federally, and then the, you know the different regulations and everything that apply to state level. But we, I would introduce you to our partners in the corporate group who have done this in other industries and have done this countless times in other industries, and they, you know, they work on your non disclosure agreements. They make sure that you know, everything that's disclosed complies with securities laws and different things. There's just a lot of considerations at that level. And then obviously that then goes into as you're forming your entity. And we know there's a lot of, there's a lot of private capital raised. I mean, there are, there are private equity groups that sometimes uh, can help fund these operations, but you know, it's probably a totally different discussion, but because the traditional lending is not available, it creates some, some challenges and, and 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 unique legal issues arise at that level. So that that's Absolutely. where it would all start. Right, right, right. Yeah. And we're and we're going to talk about it. I'm actually going to ask. Um, I wanted to go ahead and I'll, I'll ask you guys now. So so Colton, we'll start with you. What um, what do you find? Obviously, cannabis is remains a Schedule One federally uh, 
Correct. Yep. I mean, I think yep. we all know that it's Absolutely. illegally, uh, it's illegal federally speaking. So, um, as a, uh, an, so now are you an insurance, you'll have to forgive my ignorance, an agent or a broker? And uh, what's the difference? So, uh, technically, an agent would be almost like, uh, I guess, the person you'd talk to when you go in there, but I work for a brokerage. Yes, okay. we are a large insurance brokerage and uh, have just actually expanded. We just had a private equity merger with uh, one of the largest insurance companies in the country. So we oh, exciting. actually Congrats. only gotten bigger, and uh, now I kind of actually have uh, somewhat of a mentor now who actually insures, I believe it's truly, the uh, publicly traded cannabis company. So we, uh, oh, that's fantastic. We're moving on Congratulations. Moving out that is fantastic. Yeah, it's been really great. Yep. So tell me about um, what are the challenges, and I don't. Uh, I know we're going to have to have to break in a second, but um, what are the challenges that the insurance you as an agent or a brokerage <laughs> face because uh, insurance because excuse me because cannabis is still federally illegal? Um, I know that's a pretty broad question, but how how does that impact what you're able to provide to businesses? Absolutely. So I mean, the federally illegal part just is what makes the entire thing so much more difficult. So uh, you name a, a Liberty Mutual, Progressive, a State Auto, a uh, you know uh, pretty much any insurance carrier you've ever thought of or, or heard of has an exclusion in their policies that states excludes illegal activities. Well, cannabis is federally illegal and they're so large that they abide by those rules and they view it as still illegal and won't touch it so that means you then got to go to the surplus lines market and that's where things get really hairy and just makes it there's what we call the cannabis tax on everything it's a little more expensive it's a little more difficult and then it uh really messes with the the real estate insurance sometimes depending on the situation Yep, awesome. And I am very familiar with the cannabis tax, and that is a great spot for us to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Grow Your No Show brought to you by Kelly's Green. And we're back. Uh, welcome back to Grow Your No brought to you by Kelly's Green. Uh, happy Tuesday. We're here with you today. We've got two great guests. We have Colton Ferris with the Now Agency telling us and teaching us everything about insurance that we can learn in, you know, a few minutes. <laughs> and we've got Slate's VZ with Bradley and uh, we're talking about uh, all kinds of legal issues. And uh, Slate's is obviously an attorney. Um, and so we're happy to have them both here uh, in the studio today. So, Colton, when we when we break just a moment, we were talking a little bit about um, insurance products. Can or, Well, I think we were talking about some challenges as well and some limitations or perhaps some exemptions, uh, exclusions rather, exclusions, yes. um, in uh, in products that are available to um, to businesses. So what what are the um, generally speaking, uh, what are some of the challenges and what are some of the products? You know, I know that you and I have known each other and, <laughs> and I know that we it's it's been at times been a real challenge to find us the right fit Absolutely. Um, that didn't have, you know, all the exclusions in the world that was, uh, you know, that wasn't so expensive that it ran us out of business. So all of those things come together when we talk about insurance. Um, so what are some of the challenges and some of the products available to businesses that uh, that you guys could help them with? Yeah. So, you know, we have, carry all the traditional insurance products, general liability, product liability, uh, auto, workers' comp, uh, excess liability, or an umbrella, as some would call it. So, I mean, all the products really are the same. It just is more challenging. You know, if you open a regular just mom-and-pop dispensary, okay, that's fine. You know, there's several cannabis carriers. We can write that through, no problem. But when you get into a grow-out and 
your scenario where there's multiple tenants occupying other spots of the building yeah. that's and construction's going on well the people that are okay with insuring a paper company or the construction aren't okay with cannabis and the people that are okay with cannabis aren't okay with a crematorium and paper company right, so right. it um, creates a whole whirlwind of issues and then you know our biggest thing you would think with cannabis being around so long we would have very experienced underwriters and a lot of times we don't um, and I hate to say that in fact in the workers comp side of things we've been trying to close your workers comp since what yeah. January yeah you pay every, this is your smallest piece of insurance yeah. and it's taken us four months and I've had to get the president of one brokerage on the phone and the president of the Workers' Comp Commission involved because, like we were talking about, private equity raises. Our cannabis bill states that if you own less than 10% in a cannabis operation, yep. legally you do not have to disclose that. That's right. You're not non-economic interest. And right. so when we were doing your Workers' Comp, they started fighting us on that, trying to demand that everyone that – even gave you a penny would have to disclose who they are, the ownership breakdowns, their LLCs. And obviously we all know that that's not legal. That's not the law. It's not the law. And so, but you can't argue with a, you know, a girl from California that's sitting behind a computer that That is is in control with it. That is correct. That is correct. um, There's, there's always something. Yeah. But we've gotten it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I'm assuming that, that I know we talked a little bit about the federally illegal piece. Um, I, I'm assuming that that plays into some of that. I know that you just have the, the the some of the companies that are okay with this aren't okay with this. You know, like some of the companies were okay insuring the uh, the tenants, but not with cannabis, and vice Absolutely. versa. So, um, does is that is that um, in your opinion is that exaggerated at all because it's um, or is it intensified because that it's because we're talking about you know cannabis like how i mean obviously it is but i guess what i just want to for to let people know is just how difficult it can be to um to insure these businesses uh because it's federal and 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 we we touched on a minute ago when slates mentioned um federal law versus state law that these companies are so big that they are abiding by they're looking to federal law correct absolutely yes they're looking at federal law the biggest issues i've seen are really when you have a large building like like yours and there's multiple tenants because it's you have the real estate holding company owns the building and you get them insured on a lesser's risk policy is what it's called or aka a landlord's policy and so a lot of people that will do those you can get normal insurance for the most part on the holding company, but you also want them to be knowledgeable that there will be a cannabis tenant and that they're okay with that so that you don't get canceled. And so then if you try to do anything creative, you know, in your scenario, we have a cultivation that's under construction, a paper company, and a crematorium all in one spot. So that created a whole whirlwind of, of issues to where, you know, if this were a bar or restaurant or a meatpacking facility, you'd have 10 different insurance carriers you could go shop this with. Right. Well, when the cannabis comes into play, you we're looking two? at two, <laughs> maybe. if we're lucky, maybe <laughs> yeah. two. And then in your case, we, we ended up with one at uh, right. this go round. And so it just, I hate to say you sometimes have to take what they'll give you. Right. And, um, but you also want to make sure and fight back with them, push with them. Sure. And especially when you're a larger guy and have, have that, that power. It's, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I want to just interject that that's why anyone in this space who's who has to have insurance and is out needing insurance has to get with someone like Colton who knows these challenges and knows how to, you know, fight through them for you. Because, you know, nothing against the traditional insurance agents and brokers sure. that, you know, because a lot of people in this cannabis industry 
were in other businesses before, or probably most of them, right. at least locally. And you can't just use Joe down the street or Jennifer, right. you know, whoever you use, because they may not be aware of all these challenges and these nuances and that there are there are products available, available, but you have to know where to look. Right, so, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's step one. Yeah, 100%. It's crazy how just how many steps, like how complicated – uh, cannabis, the cannabis industry is. Yeah. And I, I think it is because it just tentacle, the tentacles go into everything and so many things rely, it's like a domino. Mm-hmm. It's it like really a domino. Is. So many things fall or rest on something else. Um, and we were talking during the break. I wanted to mention this. I, I uh, This is an interesting, I, we could do a whole show on this. Again, it's, uh, we're back to uh, cannabis um, and in the Second Amendment. We have, we uh, uh, when, we, when the break went on, we were discussing a, a new opinion that has come out or a new ruling that has come out. So on the, the, the cannabis issue, as, it inter- as cannabis interacts with your, your Second Amendment rights, um, we know that we have, on this show, we followed a couple, um, a couple of, of cases that have gone up. There was the Florida case where uh, I think it was the, the ag commissioner uh, filed suit um, on that one. Uh, that was dismissed by, that, by the trial judge there. Um, in Florida, then we had another one um, that was, a, I think it was a criminal case, is where how it how it uh, originated. I don't have my notes in front of me. I, I apologize, but it was in Oklahoma, and the Oklahoma judge found that um, that the the uh, 1962 Gun Act language, I believe, or the federal language, the federal prohibition, uh, did in fact violate the litigants. Um, Second Amendment gun rights, and so we've been following those two cases because those are those are really what we have that's begun this um, this this issue as it as it carries across the country. Now, I want to reiterate um, that we know that this is only we're only talking about a federal law, the 1962 Gun Rights Act, that impacts that can impact a, a person's right to purchase a gun. We are not talking about taking your guns, coming to get your guns. We, we have <laughs> beat that till uh, we, we beat that, you know, again and again and again. Uh, there's nothing in the, and in fact, the Mississippi law has protection in it for Mississippians uh, under the discrimination um, language. So I want to reiterate that, but we have an exciting, um, it's always exciting to me, but uh, an exciting, um, uh, a new, new, new ruling or, uh, in that, in that issue, a Texas judge has now said that um, has now agreed with the Oklahoma. Well, not necessarily agreed in the opinion, but uh, essentially said the same thing. Uh, so we've got uh, in the marijuana moment. Um, I'm looking at the online uh, marijuana moment. Uh, it was just published 20 hours ago on April 10th. So in uh, the headline reads: Another federal court rules that banning marijuana consumers from possessing guns is unconstitutional. Now, um, this is uh, this is a this stems from a criminal case, and um, essentially what it breaks down to, and I'm I'm going through the um, going through the the article while I'm on here, um, but essentially it finds that um, that the the litigant um, the that the the prohibition. Um, violates her uh, Second Amendment rights. So it says the ruling states that even if Connolly were convicted of simple marijuana possession, that conviction would be expunged by the blanket presidential pardon of all such marijuana possessions 
that like Connolly's took place before October 6, 2022. Now, that is also talking about um, a, a presidential pardon that was put in place before that. So we've got two things happening here in this particular opinion. We've got the presidential pardon that is totally separate and distinct for marijuana possession that is totally separate and distinct from the cannabis and the guns issue. But the this particular uh, ruling um, discusses both of them. Um, and so... Uh, we're going to talk about that a little more when we come back. I think we have to take a break now. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about that a little bit more because I know everybody's interested in it. And it's an, it's an exciting development. So uh, we'll be back with Grow Your Know. This Grow Your Know brought to you by Kelly's Green. We have um, two great guests with us today. We have Colton Ferris with the Now Agency and Slates Vizi with uh, Bradley, and uh, we're talking about some great, um, some great information. Uh, but when we when we took our break, we were talking about um, uh, the most recent case that came down. Uh, literally, I think it, the the article that I read came down like twenty hours ago yesterday, um, talking about another federal court has um, ruled that uh, the, 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 uh, the federal prohibition rules, it's in, a, in it, I think uh, the headline, I'll read it again, another federal court rules that banning marijuana consumers from possessing guns is unconstitutional. Um, and uh, it says that, uh, uh, and it said, in addition to that, uh, that the same legal principle also applies to the sale and transfer of guns too. So this is an interesting. Um, this is an interesting case. I think we were talking about this sort of. Um, this case talks about two things sort of interacting together. Not only the the federal law, but also um, they talk about a presidential pardon that I mentioned um, uh, also. So um, I think probably the most exciting thing that I see about this is this trend beginning. With you see how this is this is this is beginning to play out throughout the country. Um, I mean, do you see what what it slates on? Uh, what do you see on that regard? I mean, is that do you see the trend starting? And I think you mentioned a Pennsylvania uh, case too. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think you're seeing in various jurisdictions some of these federal constitutional issues bubble up as they apply to the cannabis industry and the legality and the tension between federal and state illegality, legality. Uh, another thing I mentioned was the dormant commerce clause. I know there's been some challenges, I think in Washington and Oregon both, where an operator within that state cha- is challenging the prohibition on selling their product over state lines and saying that violates the dormant commerce clause. And, you know, that issue, so that's a constitutional issue. Man, that's a huge issue. Yeah, like, a, holy that's cow, huge that's issue. a huge, like, I don't know, like, that makes me a little nervous. I understand, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's that issue, but then, of course, the Second Amendment issue, you know, you could talk about commercial speech, another constitutional issue that might challenge advertising restrictions, but all these things seem to be bubbling up, and could they be headed to, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court at some point and... Um, as I mentioned at a break, yeah. it may be the U.S. Supreme Court that ends up addressing, you know, federal cannabis reform and does something meaningful before Congress actually acts. Who right. knows? But, right. I mean, right. We, we could talk about that for a long time. Because there's two parallel mm-hmm. tracks. I mean, you see, you see bills being presented every year in Congress. Um, that don't really get any traction, or maybe get traction, but they never get they never get passed into law. Um, and at the same time, you see all of a sudden these issues bubbling up in the courts, 
um, that very well. I mean, I think eventually, without a doubt, even if Congress does something, without a doubt, the U.S. Supreme Court, it's such a complicated and complex subject, and it touches on everything. Like, we've already talked about (laughs) even, like, interstate commerce. Sure. you know, ban on gun rights. Um, I think you mentioned uh, uh, an interesting piece that I have not heard about was a Pennsylvania case. Um, what were we when we were talking in the break? Yeah, what was that case about? It was workers' comp, and it's a it's a state court case. But uh, an employee who had been receiving workers' comp benefits related to an, an injury. I believe I don't have the case in front of me, but I think she had been receiving nothing like me putting you on the spot yeah, in a case uh, you don't have. <laughs> well, I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> She had been getting reimbursed for her pain treatment related to a very old injury. I think it was from the 70s. But at some point in her treatment, she transitioned out of, you know, opioids and those kind of narcotics into using medical cannabis and sought reimbursement through the same channels for her medical cannabis uh, expenses and originally was denied, I think, by her carrier. And then she took it to the Pennsylvania Commission, they affirmed that denial, but then she took it all the way up to, I, I get, it was an appellate court in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and they, they said they wrongfully denied her coverage. And they kind of looked at the policy in favor of workers' comp generally is to, you know, if, if an employee is injured at work, to provide them uh, coverage and not make them be out of pocket. Sure. I mean, uh, in, in the arguments, you know, in favor of the denial, we're relying on the federal illegality of cannabis. But the court, it was two decisions, right. uh, said we think that in balance you need to reimburse this, these employees for their medical cannabis expense. So that's that's, a that's big, huge. Big deal. I mean, that's huge. Um, you know, I, I know that um, in in our in our particular bill in Mississippi, I think there's some language that that gives some protection to employers. Uh, and in uh, insurance companies, and and um, I think it, 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 is there in my in my in my I don't have it in front of me, but it, is that is that your interpretation yeah, as well? It, it says they're not required to provide the coverage, right. and I think if I'm not mistaken, the applicable law in Pennsylvania was essentially the same. Okay, it it didn't require them to provide the workers' comp coverage, but it didn't prohibit it either. Right. So, hmm. you know, you could potentially. I mean, it would certainly be support for an argument. In Mississippi, yeah, right there, you know, right there. An analogy, to going up. you know, that's that's what us lawyers do. We look at cases sure. that we think are, <laughs> are strong you know, and good, are and strong and, and, that's and, right. and related to the facts. So, yeah, anyway. that's interesting. So, um, I mean, I, I think you know, just taking off my my lawyer hat for a sec, just common sense thinking that you know, right now we've got what thirty eight, thirty nine states uh, that have some form of legal cannabis, yep. and if we if we and, and we we also see these cases these issues bubbling up in the courts so i mean I, you know i'm thinking to myself by the time we get uh, one of these inevitably we'll get to the to the to i think to the us supreme court on some cannabis issue i just think it's too it's too uh it's too widespread it's every you know everywhere and there's too many issues too many complications too many challenges um that happen every day that initially it's going to go all the way up i think um and I just, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we're thir- we've got 38 or 39. By the time we get there, what do we have? Maybe 40? Maybe <laughs> maybe 50? Who knows? I mean, I, you know, but I'm thinking, how in the world, in my head, I'm thinking, how in the world would the United States Supreme Court say 
come back and say, now I know it's possible. I mean, I know anything's <laughs> possible after Initiative 65. I'm sorry, you know, and I won't go down that road. But sure. the point is, is that, but in my mind, I'm thinking, how do they come back and, and not be in favor of um, these programs for people and make it so difficult to live your life and participate in a medicinal program or in a recreational program, whatever that state has, um, because these are these are fundamental things that you know fundamental requirements for life. Like you know the Pennsylvania case, the the, the reimbursement for medical expenses, and she had an injury from the seventies. Like right. you know she was on opioids. It sounds like I, I didn't read the case. I'm 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 uh, I'm assuming that from what we've talked about, but you know. That, it it seems like there should be a public policy, or there would be a public policy. I mean, we want people to better their lives. We want people to learn to live without opioids. Uh, I mean, I do. (laughs) I mean, drug companies may not, and that's okay. (laughs) But, but, uh, so I I just, to me, I'm thinking, how in the world would they not? Uh, But, you know, I've seen stranger things happen. Sure, sure. And to predict what what those nine justices might do is 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 very difficult. But yeah, I I, I hear you. Yeah, it, it's it'll be an interesting showdown whenever it happens. Yeah. Do, you think, and, do y'all think that they want the states to create the market and the regs before they, you know, just federally legalize it? Because I, I saw an argument on that. I mean, common sense wise, that you know. I agree with you. If there's 39 states, okay, sure. the majority majority of the company agrees on it. Let's just stamp it and be done with it. But I think if you just sign the bill today it will cause some issues like the interstate uh oh yeah travel and all that uh i think is from what i've kind of read is kind of their concerns i think i think the difference between rescheduling it or descheduling it is critical because there's going to be a segment that wants it to just be rescheduled from schedule one and those that contingency is likely the big pharma that's right big alcohol etc because then the federal government still has more oversight, and they're already in that world. They already live so in that regulatory in world that with regulatory the federal government. That's right. That's right. They own it. But completely descheduling yeah. cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act would, you know, uphold the the way it's framed now with the state regulatory framework and treat it a little more like alcohol. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and that that was part of the pardon announcement that mm, that okay. Biden made. It wasn't just about pardons. He also is instructed. Department of Justice to evaluate the scheduling of cannabis. So it was a step. Okay, so you know. so interestingly enough, what you're saying is that the presidential pardon was obviously it had a pardon, but it also was would, would it was mandate the right word? Did it mandate that the yeah. the government entertain or explore? I think mandates appropriate. Yeah. Okay. To, to to reevaluate the scheduling of it, and you know, followed not long behind that was the passage of that research bill. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so okay. it was a federal research bill which really is the first significant piece of uh, federal cannabis legislation. And it is opening up research finally uh, into cannabis from a federal perspective, uh, beyond just Ole Miss, you know. (laughs) But it's crazy to think that the the only federally sanctioned cannabis that had been grown for for so many decades was right up the road. Right, right, yeah, right at Ole Miss. But anyway, I think that's pretty significant, and we'll at least start to see some... Yeah. Some benefits from that. Now, is that private research companies or government research companies, or do you know? Both. I think there's a mechanism under the federal bill for private operators to apply really? for a license or, or whatever, however that whatever works. Whatever certifies them to be able to participate in the 
in the research program. Oh, at Ole Miss, the Ole Miss program. Well, no, this is this is from the federal bill. So oh, it's, okay. It's, I think the DEA is helping run it. Uh, I don't I don't remember all the details, but very interesting. Um, we definitely see the trend um, going from uh, at, 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 you know going across the country with all of these different issues bubbling up. Um, and uh, I think it'll be piecemealed together in the end, like anything else. I think banking is huge. Right. Um, I know, you know, as somebody who's been in the industry, um, there are very few lenders. Uh, there's very few financing options out there. Um, now, they're out there, and you can find them. But, um, it, man, you got to jump through a billion hoops. And <laughs> um, and it's tough. It's it's tough. You know, like you said, it, that we don't have um, traditional banks that lend. Um, we don't have traditional insurance carriers that provide um, coverage. All of these things that we we have learned to um, to struggle on. You know, I, I, in ten years, I guess we'll look back and be like, oh, you remember when we couldn't get? <laughs> you remember when we couldn't get lending like the dark ages? <laughs> so you know, um, we're we're struggling through all this. But I think the trend is definitely we see the issues popping up across the country, and um, we see cannabis advocate uh, advocates and activists fighting for um, the things that that we have to have. I know as a business owner for cannabis, I'm always you know I'm always fighting for um, fighting for the right thing, fighting for my business and for the business of it, fighting for the industry. I mean, it's not just for my business. If any anybody knows me, they know that I have a personal connection to cannabis and some of my reasoning why what what brought me into this journey. Um, but uh, yeah, fighting for people, fighting for patients' rights, fighting for people, fighting for industry professionals, fighting for everybody. So um, on that note, we'll take a break and we'll come back. This is Grow Your Know, by, brought to you by Kelly's Green. Perfect. And uh, Grow Your Know is brought to you by Kelly's Green. And uh, we are, uh, we've had a great show today. We've, um, we're here today with our, our guest, uh, Colton Ferris with the Now Agency and Slate's Veezy with Bradley. Um, and, and what is the, uh, what's the full name of Bradley? I keep calling it Bradley. I think it's Bradley. It, what's the name? <laughs> well, you, you're, at, you're technically right now. Oh, okay. Because okay. it was Bradley, a- or I guess it technically is Bradley Arant Bolt Cummings, but for branding purposes, okay. those the, the people Bradley. that make those decisions at the firm <laughs> decided that a one word uh, was the way to go. At least I think it yeah. was about three years ago. Yeah. So I, they I, go I by agree. Bradley, but yeah, I agree because I, I knew Bradley, and that's yeah. what I knew. Yeah. So that that was a good decision. <laughs> you can ha- you can tell them that was a great decision. Not not that it matters coming for me, along. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us how uh, tell people how they can reach you if they want to reach you. Sure, uh, my office number is six zero one five nine two nine nine two five. My email address is s. V as in Victor, E A, Z as in Zebra, E Y at Bradley.com. Awesome. Happy to talk. Yep. Uh, and you represent businesses, individuals. Is there anything that you that y'all exclude from cannabis practice? We do not handle the 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 criminal uh, okay. we do white collar criminal work. We have lawyers that do that. That's businesses facing prosecutions, but not like a possession type. Sure. Awesome. Issues, okay. <laughs> and Colton, can you tell people how to get you? Yeah. So you need me. My office number is 601-475-1078. And my email address is Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N dot Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S 
at Nowell, N-O-W-E-L-L, agency.com. Awesome. This has been Grow Your Know with, uh, brought to you by Kelly's Green.